Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bible to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. And I encourage you, if you haven't been here for the series we've been teaching since mid-December, to go to our podcast or go to our website and download the messages. We put them there for free so that you can grow in your faith. We can pick up in some areas we left off last week. We talked about the blessing of God last week. We said over and over again, it is the power of God that makes the difference. Say, it's the power of God that makes the difference. Last week's message was called, Did You Forget? A lot of people forget that there's power available to them. And a lot of them forget that where they've come from so far is because God brought them. And it is the power of God that makes the difference. So Joshua chapter 1, continuing with that thinking and that mentality. Picking up with verse 3. God tells Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. So God told Joshua, the same way I was with Moses is how I'm going to be with you. So go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. So before God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, he gives him an assurance of his presence. It's the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Now, Exodus chapter 3, this is before Moses goes down to Egypt. This is when he sees God appear to him in the burning bush. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? What was God's response? Moses asking, what is my qualification? Now, Moses actually had qualifications. By this point, Moses is 80. For 40 years, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He's learned all the politics. He's learned all the diplomacy. He's learned leadership principles. He knows these things, so he could say, well, I'm qualified because I spent 40 years in Pharaoh's house. 
But then he spent 40 years in the desert being a shepherd, learning how to lead sheep, learning how to do all these different things on the backside of the desert. So there could be many different reasons why God could respond, you are qualified for this assignment. He could have said, I prepared you when you were in Pharaoh's house. I prepared you on the backside of the desert. You are qualified because of this and that. So while Moses is asking God, what is my qualification for going into Egypt and setting your people free and bringing them out? What is God's response? Certainly, I will be with you. That is Moses' qualification to do the impossible. I'm with you. We said before a few weeks ago, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. His presence is the qualification that Moses needed. And so just like God told Moses, God told Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. So Joshua, you, yes, you've been prepared. You followed after Moses for 40 years. You've walked by faith. You've seen everything that I did with Moses. You saw me deliver the people from Egypt. But your qualification is that I'm with you. A lot of people try to talk, them out, talk themselves out of doing what God has called them to do because they say, well, I don't know the right people. I didn't go to the right school. I didn't do this. I don't know this. But God is telling you today you're qualified because I'm with you. So stop telling God what you can't do. I can't do this. I can't do that. God says, I'm with you. A lot of people say, well, I don't have enough to complete my mission. Why are you discounting the power of God? Is the power of God not enough anymore? Or as he told in the Old Testament, is my arm waxed short? Is my power all of a sudden all gone? The qualification that you need to do the impossible is the power of God because it's the power of God that makes the difference. So let's go to Deuteronomy 31 and drive this point home a little bit more. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. So God told Moses, I'm going to be with you. When you go see Pharaoh, it's not just you going to see Pharaoh. I'm going to see Pharaoh with you. And nothing that you do, Moses, will you be by yourself. You may feel by yourself today. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. God told Moses and he told Joshua, I'll be with you. And he told us in the New Testament, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what Jesus said in the Gospels, and that's where the echoes in the book of Hebrews. God is with us. We celebrate that name, especially at Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he it is that does go with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. What is Moses telling Joshua? God is going with you. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage, for you must go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that does go before you, he will be with you, he will not fail you, neither forsake you, fear not, neither be dismayed. Verse 23. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel to the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with you. 
So this is something God told Joshua again and again and again. I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. You're looking at the impossible. There's no way by yourself you can win, but I'm with you. You're looking at wall cities, you're looking at giants, you're looking at numbers that are too big for you to handle. Don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the fact that I'm with you. This is what he's telling Joshua, to pay attention to again and again, I am with you. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 1, this time look at verse 9. One of the reasons he can be strong and courageous is because God is with him. Our source of strength and courage must come from the revelation that God is with us. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So now he says it again. It's important if God says it once. Important if he says it twice. Important if he says it three times. But again and again and again and again. Now he says, well, Joshua should have got it the first time. How many of you get stuff the first time? How many times has God told you the same thing again and again and again? See, y'all get frustrated with your kids when he tells them the same thing again and again. Now you know how God feels. He's like, I told you 10 times to clean up your room. And God said, I told you 10 times to stop sleeping with that person. Verse 17. <laughs> According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So let's look at chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So not only does God want Joshua to know that he's with them, he wants everybody around to know I'm with this man. So how did he prove it? They began to cross the Jordan, and he echoes something he did when they left Egypt. As the Ark of the Covenant goes forth, that represents the presence of God. The waters begin to part and stack up just like they did when they went into the Red Sea. And it says, today I'm going to lift you up and everybody's going to know that you're lifted up because I'm with you. See, God has no problem with your name being great. He told Abram, I will make your name great. It's the thing is he wants to be the one that makes it great. Because if you set out to make your own name great, you will violate the law of love and step on people and over people to become great. But if you let God make your name great, you're going to stick with the law of love, and not only will you be blessed, but you will be a blessing. So the miracles begin to happen. The Jordan parts, the crossover into the promised land. I go to chapter 6. Three simple points from this message. 
Number one, you need to practice the presence of God. What do I mean by practice the presence of God? You hear again and again that God is with you, so you start saying, God's with me. Father, I thank you for being with me. You heard that line of the worship song we said earlier, Lord, make us more aware of your presence. And you become more aware as you talk about it. I remember when I was at ORU as a student, I brought uh, Jim Hockaday to meet with our missions team. And at least once a year, I would go have lunch with him, me and my friends. And one of the things he told us one of the years we had lunch with him, and he says, you need to become more aware of the presence of God, of the anointing that's on you. So he says, make it a game. There's a group of guys at the table that so make it a game. You guys are competitive. Get as crazy and as silly as you can about it. Talk about how anointed you are. Just go all the way. So we would say, we would text each other back and forth. Dude, I'm so anointed. I move my hand, more oil drips from my hand than someone's Jericho. When I'm talking about that is what we started saying. And you might say, well, that's silly, but what did it get? It get us in the mindset of he's with us. He's anointed us. And so we kept doing that for a while. And then one time I was walking to class and I was just about to pray a simple prayer. And I said, Father, and all of a sudden I felt his presence. How do I get to that point? I practice the presence of God. You have to get to the point where you're aware that God is with you, whether you feel him or not. He's made you these promises. You have to become aware of it. You have to live aware. You have to know he's with you and know that's your qualification. Because as we've said in the weeks prior, God will send you to do things and send you to places that are too big for you, too hard for you, things you can't handle by yourself. And you and your natural ability will back up or try to come up with your own plan and mess it up. But if you go forward knowing God is with you, you know, I can handle it. Because in the presence of God, you can handle mess no matter what direction it comes from. What did God tell Moses when the staff turned into a snake? Handle it. A lot of times we run from confrontation and God is telling you, handle it. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, the very familiar the story of Jericho. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. God tells Joshua, I've given you the whole city, everybody in it, to you. So here's my battle plan. And see, sometimes God gives you plans that just, just don't make sense. So he tells them, here's what I want you to do. Every day for six days, I want you to walk around the city and go home. Then do it again. Do it for six days. And on the seventh day, here's the real kicker. Walk around the city seven times. Now, I'm glad they're athletic. Because you think, if I had to walk around an entire city seven times, there's no way I'm going to battle afterwards. So he says, walk around seven times. And after you walk around seven times, tell the priests to blow the trumpets. And then tell Israel to shout, because I've given you the city, and the wall will fall down flat. That does not make sense. Walking around a city is not going to knock walls down. Shouting is not going to knock a wall down. Playing a trumpet is not going to make the wall fall down. But acts of faith do. So he says, here's what I want you to do. And see, trumpets were signals of the presence of God. They announced the glory of God. 
they began to praise. And I thought there was a scripture that says God inhabits the praises of his people. So they go up into a situation that's too hard for them, to a situation they can't handle, with the only qualification knowing God is with us. They step up to something they can't handle, and they announce the presence of God. And then they begin to shout, which is the same Hebrew word for praise, and all of a sudden, the wall falls down flat. See, some of you are concerned about walls that are in front of you and things that are blocking you. Thinking, I can't do this because this is in front of me. I can't do this because this is in front of me. There's all these different reasons why you can't do what you think God has called you to do. You can either make excuses or you can make a difference. You can't do both. So while you walk up to whatever is blocking you, it's time for you to announce the presence of God. It's time for you to announce the glory of God. We said it's a year of fullness, overflow, and glory. And when you do that and begin to praise, the glory of God will knock down the things that are in front of you. But they won't fall until you march up to it. So don't think, well, I'm going to knock it down from a distance. And as soon as I see it's safe, then I'm going to go try to get what God has for me. That's not faith. There has to be some human initiative to match with the power of God. You have to walk up to the situation. You have to walk up to the challenge so that you can handle it. So we know they had victory. God did something supernatural. Verse 27 of chapter 6 says, so the Lord was with Joshua. That's how they explain what happened in Jericho. God was with Joshua. And the fame of the report was noised throughout the whole country. There was a report. Jehovah is with Joshua and Jericho has been defeated. We know what happened with Jericho. We looked at what happened with I last week. Let's go to Joshua chapter 9. So you need to practice the presence of God. You need to announce the presence of God to your situation. Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side of Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and in the coast of the great sea over against Lebanon and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. So they said, Jericho's down, eyes down, we don't have a chance. Let's come together, one great army, and take down Joshua once and for all. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and I, they did work willingly. They're like, look, we ain't going to be next. So they said, here's our plan. Let's find some moldy bread. Let's find some worn out clothes, some worn out shoes. Let's get it together and act like we're from a far country. And let's go say, Joshua, make a deal with us. We've heard what God did in Egypt. We heard what God did to the giants. Don't do it to us. We're not even near you. We're not even in the area God wants you to conquer. We just want to be on your side by the time you reach to us. And so that's the deal they make. They had put together a great presentation. So they go and they present. But as you keep reading, it says, verse 14, 
And the men took up their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. They didn't realize they were being deceived. Now, one of the things that's interesting about Gibeon, no one else in the promised land thought to do that. No one else in the promised land thought to make peace with Israel. Because the rest of the people's hearts were hard like Pharaoh's. They've already reached a passive place of no return. But Gibeon wasn't. And so Gibeon was like, we ain't going out like the rest of y'all. We're going to do what we got to do. But what belonged to Gibeon actually belonged to the children of Israel. And they didn't get it because it says they asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, made a league with them, and let them live, and the prince of the congregation swear unto them. And it came to pass at the end of three days, just three days later, after they made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors and dwelt among them. They weren't far away. They were right next door. They would have known that if they asked God what to do. So it's not just random human initiative running up and doing whatever you want to do. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, your own insight, your own thinking. But verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So in this time where the human initiative must meet the power of God, you need to talk to God about everything. So number one, announce the presence of God. But number two, inquire of or acknowledge the Lord in all things. Why did I use the word inquire? You see that a lot in the life of David, especially him as a warrior and then him as a young king. When there are different battles he was supposed to fight, it says he inquired of the Lord. He asked the Lord what to do and the Lord told him. But then there's one battle, he inquired of the Lord, God says, go and fight, I've given you victory. Then the same situation came up again. And a lot of times when the same situation shows up again, we think, well, if God told me to do this last time, then that's what I'm going to do this time, right? But it says he inquired of the Lord and God told him, no, don't do it this way. Go around another way. A lot of us end up in trouble because we're doing the same thing God told us to do 40 years ago. And yes, God told you to do that 40 years ago. Is that what God told you to do today? That means you have to be in a living relationship with God where you continually hear from him. Not just live off of old revelation, old stale bread, but fresh living bread. What does God want you to do today? What are your marching orders for today? What are your instructions for today? Now, God might say, I want you to do the same thing I told you to do 40 years ago. But if he doesn't, you need to get the updated plan. You know, our phones update all the time, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. Sometimes we take all of our battery power and make us buy a new phone, but that's another message. But you need to get before God and get your updated plan. What do you want me to do, sir? What are my marching orders, sir? Lean not to your own understanding. It's great that you have an education. God will use it. But don't let your education be before what the Holy Ghost says. I remember when I took my economics class, I was at ORU, so a lot of our teachers were spirit-filled. And this one was. And he says, I can teach you all the laws of economics and teach you all the different curves. And I want you to know this information. I'm going to test you on all this information. But if you remember one thing from my class for the rest of your life, remember this. The Holy Ghost trumps all. You could be seeing something in the economy, and it looks like you should invest. And if the Holy Ghost says no, don't you do it. You may be looking in the economy, and it says don't invest, but the Holy Ghost says you need to do it. You follow the Holy Ghost. Just always remember the Holy Ghost trumps all. That can't just be what you do where finance is concerned. Every area of your life, 
It may be everything you know may be leading you one way, but you hear something from God says, don't go that way, go this way. Follow the Holy Ghost. That is the supernatural path. That is the path of the power of God. That is Psalms 91 protection, where the Holy Ghost tells you to be. So number one, become aware and announce his presence. Number two, inquire of the Lord. Acknowledge him in all your ways. So let's go back to Joshua 10. After they made a league with the Gibeonites. Now, Gibeon wasn't a small city. It was a strong city. It was a royal city. They had a lot of money. They were really strong. But when the rest of the promised land, five kings in particular, hear that Gibeon made allegiance with Joshua, that they sided with Joshua instead of the rest of the Canaanites, they said, let's attack Gibeon. Let's make an example of Gibeon so make sure no one else makes peace with Joshua. So they gather together to attack Gibeon. Gibeon calls Joshua. Joshua, we need your help. Come save us. We're in covenant now. We need your help. So now Joshua has to fight a battle that you wouldn't have to fight if he had asked God what to do. How many battles in your life are you fighting because you refuse to ask God what to do? How many problems have you created just because you didn't ask God, should I do this, should I not? How much heartbreaks in your life because you didn't ask God if you date that person? Y'all date people God never even wanted you to meet. And some of y'all keep relationships going just because they're on Facebook. There's some of you, you would have moved on from your life and forgotten about so-and-so, but because they're on Facebook, you see them every year, it bothers your soul all the time. You do not have to follow them and friend them on Facebook. There is a delete ministry. Boop. <laughs> and if there's trifling, there is a block ministry. Boop. <laughs> Ask the Holy Ghost about everything. Stop trying to do things your own way. Because you call your kids hard-headed, and you know where they got it from. Mm. Joshua 10. So they come to battle. And God tells Joshua, I've given them into your hand. Go to battle. So you think Joshua is going to battle. It's just going to be a normal fight. They're going to win the victory. But something happens interesting in this battle. Because it says when you look at verse 10, and the Lord just confitted them before Israel. So wait a minute. God begins to fight. He says, y'all got this, but I'm getting involved. And then it says not only did God fight against them, it says he began to throw hailstones from heaven. And it says more perish because of the hailstones than because of Joshua's army. You have to understand God will fight for you, but you have to do it God's way. What did Moses tell Joshua? God will go before you. Some of you are rushing out ahead of the timing of God, and so God can't go before you because you think you're smart enough and you're getting ahead of God. And now you're telling God, I'll go before you. That's not how it works, sweetie. God wants to fight for you. He wants supernatural intervention to be for you. Now, they could have won the war without it, but God stepped in. He says, I'm going to give you a complete victory. But Joshua's a man of faith. He's looking at the situation, saying so we are running out of time. We have the victory. God is fighting for us, but the day is almost over. We can't fight at night. 
So Joshua, this man of God, the man of faith, talks to God and then says, Sun, stop. Moon, stand still. He doesn't know all the laws of the universe. He doesn't know what needs to happen for the sun to actually stand still and the moon to stand still for the earth not lose its orbit. He doesn't know all that stuff. But you don't have to know all that stuff for your faith to work. So he speaks this bold declaration of faith, and it says, God hearkened to the voice of a man, and the sun listened, and the moon stopped, and the day did not end until Joshua and Israel won. You have limited the power of God. You think God has to come through this way, and God said, I can keep the day going until you win, because it's not over until you win. Stop saying God has to come through this way, and God says, I got a million ways to come through. The fact is, God will come through. So let him fight for you. Announce his presence. Be aware of his presence. Inquire of the Lord. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Go to, turn to 1 Samuel 14. God wants to fight for you. All leading up to something I have to announce at the end of this message. God wants to fight for you. So as they battle in the promised land, as they take the promised land, as they begin to fight and they conquer, you'll see different things in the verses in Joshua 11, 22. And so there was none left of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel. They only remained in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. It's the territory of the Philistines. How do they get there? Joshua 5, 15, 14. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, and it says their names of Shisei, Amon, and Telmai, the children of Anak. These are giants. So the giants that David fought and his men fought were the leftovers from the battle of the promised land. So now there's an area that is still possessed by giants, but an area of the promised land that Israel has not completely received. Jump ahead a few hundred years. 1 Samuel 14, Saul is king. Now, we know a lot of negative things about Saul, but Saul in his first number of years was a good king. He did what God said. When you look at all the kings of Israel and Judah, it has a lot of things to say about them, and a lot of them weren't good kings because they followed other gods. Saul never bowed down before another god. He followed God until he started following himself. Some of y'all think, well, I'll never bow down before an idol, but you, your idol. So Jonathan, Saul's son, tells his armor bearer, let's go to the Philistines' garrison. That is on the other side. But he didn't tell his father, the king, about it. So Saul stayed where he was. His army stayed with him. Gives you some more information about who's in charge at that time. So Jonathan and his armor bearer go on an adventure. He says in verse 6, come and let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Now, when Jonathan says this word and David says this word, it's not what you automatically think. Because in the Old Testament, circumcision is a sign of the covenant. So anytime Jonathan or David says this word, let's go and handle these people who don't have a covenant with God. No one else wanted to fight them because they look strong. They look mighty. They're giants there. Well, where Jonathan or David are concerned, we have a covenant. It doesn't matter if they're stronger. It doesn't matter if there's giants. It doesn't matter if their city is walled. 
We have a covenant. What is one of the covenant? We talk about it as a covenant of blessing. But what's something else we saw in the covenant today? We have a covenant that God is with us. So Jonathan goes up and it says, there's no restraint, there's no limit on the Lord. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Sounds like he's going to fight for us. For there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And as armor bearer said unto them, do all that is in your heart. Behold, I'm with you. I got your back. And so he lays out a plan. As we go to fight, if the Philistines say these words, we're going to go up and fight. If they don't, we won't. See, one of the things about the old covenant, they didn't have the Holy Ghost on the inside. They didn't have the God like we do today. So they would put out fleeces. They said, well, if this happens, then I know God wants me to do it. If this doesn't happen, God doesn't want me to do it. Gideon did, it's called a fleece. That's the old covenant. The new covenant is better. You have the Holy Ghost on the inside. Because if you put out a fleece today, you're going to get fleeced. Well, if this happens, then I know God wants me to do it. You know what's dangerous? It's not just God who has access to that realm, so does the enemy. And so does crazy people. So you think, well, I'm following God because this happened. No, you're following the fleece you put out. So under the new covenant, it's different. You follow the Holy Ghost. But at this time, we see that the Holy Ghost is moving Jonathan and his armor bearer to battle. And so they step up, and the Philistines say exact words that Jonathan said. So they climb this wall, and they begin to fight the army of the Philistines. They're taking down man after man, just two people, taking off this whole garrison. But what was interesting to me is as they begin to fight over a half acre of land, winning battle after battle, just these two guys, verse 15, and there was a trembling in the host in the field. Among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. In the Hebrew and other translations says, it was a trembling or a shaking sent from God. So when did the earthquake come? Before they went to battle? No, it was after they went to battle. After people of faith stepped up to the plate, God began to shake the earth. See, the third key I want you to get today is step up to the plate. If you ever played baseball, the only way you can ever hit the ball is if you step up to the plate. If you're afraid of being hit by the ball, you're never going to step up to the plate. Some of you are afraid of missing it, so you never step up to the plate. If you stay over in the dugout, you'll still never hit it. At least you can say, I stepped up to the plate. I swung. I may have missed, but at least I swung. We talk about Peter sinking. Well, at least he got out the boat. All the other 11 disciples like, we're good in here, Jesus. You know we can't swim. We ain't getting our hair messed up. We're staying right on the boat. But the thing is you learn from that story. If you step out on faith and you mess up, Jesus is like, I got you. You have to be willing to step out on faith. You have to be willing to step up to the plate. Because where human initiative begins to move in the season, it will be met by the power of God. It's not random human initiative. It's initiative that's led by the Spirit of God. But it still means you have to step up to the plate, not saying, I'm going to see what happens, and then I'll move. 
That's not faith. God told me to do this, so I'm going to go do this. And before I get there, I believe God is going to do something. You have to have that faith. They walked around the wall. You know Jericho was laughing at them. You crazy Israelites, what do y'all think you're doing? They were laughing till the wall fell. The people who attacked Gibeon said, there's no way Israel can stop us. But then they began to win and hailstones began to fall from heaven. Joshua, then you got Jonathan and his armor bearer going to fight and all of a sudden the earth begins to quake. God wants to fight for his people. God wants to get involved with his people. But you must step up to the plate. You can't just be hiding out going, well, I'll see what happens. Well, maybe one day. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He wants to do the same things he did for people in the Bible. He's not a respecter of persons. Because if you begin to say, well, that was Joshua, that was Jonathan, that was them, you're now saying that God picks favorites. And the Bible says he's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. Do you believe that God can do it? What have you been backing away from? What have you been afraid to handle? What have you been afraid to confront? Remember, we started out this month and last month talking about you get this mentality this month. This is how you handle issues that people can't handle. This is how you handle systematic racism. This is how you handle gender bias in the workplace. This is how you handle different things that you don't even know how to handle in the natural. We've been talking to you about a few weeks to get you to a place that doesn't matter what it looks like in front of you, you know, I got this. How do I know I got this? He's with me. But you must step up to the plate. Now, Mark, I mean, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, you are Peter, and upon this rock of revelation, this is a bigger rock, because Peter means small rock, but upon this large rock, the revelation that I am the Son of God, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when you look at gates, it represents the strategies of the enemy. So we can talk about the five strategies of the enemy, Persecution, affliction, cares of this world, deceitfulness, riches, lust of other things is included. But when you look at gates where the Old Testament is concerned and ancient times are concerned, there were places of influence, places of power. There were courts, places of commerce. This is where the strength of the city came through. This is where people went to do business. That's what the gates were. But also when you look at the gates of hell, it's likened into a vast prison where people are trapped behind. Now, when we think about the gates of hell, remember when's the last time we saw some gates move? It means the gates of hell can't hold you back. A few weeks ago, when I was working out in the gym, I was listening to a message, a man of God was preaching on gates. And it wasn't part of this message, but all of a sudden in my spirit, I heard this phrase, God will shake the gates. God will shake the gates. And so I began to think, I began to pray, I've been going to these different stories. I knew when Jonathan and his armor bearer went to battle, God sent an earthquake. But as you study it out, 
In the book of Exodus, when the glory of God appeared, the mountain began to shake. You look through the different parts in the Bible, a shaking is associated with the glory of God. What happened in the book of Acts when they're all filled with the Holy Ghost again? It says the building began to shake. God is going to shake the gates. There are things that have been preventing you, but God is going to shake them. But it's not going to be while you're waiting for him to shake them. It's going to shake when you walk up to it. It's going to shake when you begin to walk by faith. It's going to begin to shake when you begin to handle and confront the things he told you to do. It's going to begin to shake when you begin to be obedient. So stop saying, well, it's going to shake one day, so I'm going to wait to that day. No, it's going to shake when you step up to the plate. Go to Haggai chapter 2. God will shake the gates. We said this is a year of fullness, overflow, and glory. We said focus on fullness, focus on fruitfulness, focus on fire. But one of the manifestations of the glory of God is shaking, is an earthquake. And remember we said announce the presence of God. Why is the presence and the power of God that makes the difference? Now, the way things are going to change, we talked about last week, is not just because of your effort, but it's God's super on your natural. Because he said he's going to bless the work of your hands. But that still means you got to work. That still means you have to step up to the plate. That still means you have to do your part. It's not you saying, well, it's the season of grace. Yes, it's the age of grace, but it doesn't mean you don't do nothing. You have a responsibility to grace. You must step up to the plate and do your part. Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. If you have no idea what Haggai is, that's why there's a table of concordance in front of the Bible. Or you have your Bible on your phone or on your tablet, you can just go, oh, look, I never knew that book there. It was there. Haggai chapter 2. Verse 5. According to the word that I covenant with you when you came out of Egypt. So talk about where they're going is the promised land. What was the word he gave them? So my spirit remains among you. Fear not or don't be afraid. What's the covenant? I'm with you. So Haggai the prophet is speaking by God. He's reminding them of what he told them at the very beginning when they're going to the promised land. My promise, my covenant is I am with you. But notice what he says based on the reality and the revelation that I'm with you. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And the desire, it's all trying to the treasure or the wealth of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So just examine what happens when God shakes something. He said, I'm going to shake the nations, the heathen, 
in our case, the gate. And what's going to happen after I shake? The wealth, the treasure, the desire is going to come in. We've been believing for supernatural wealth transfer, and we've seen it in little places. But when God shakes something, whatever was holding it back has to let it go. Because if you keep shaking something, they can't hold on. So there are things that have been held back. When you look at the gates of hell, like a vast prison. Things that have been denied to you, things that have been robbed from you, things that people have cheated you out of, things that people have taken from you. You're wondering, when is God going to restore it? When you step up to the plate today, when you step up to the plate this year, God is going to shake the gates and whatever was taken is going to be released. Because then he says, I'm going to shake, it's going to be released, and I'm going to fill this place with glory. We said it's a year of fullness, overflow, and glory. We said it's a season of fulfillment. It's a set time for God to shake things up. You're looking at things in the world and says, what is going on? It seems like everybody's going crazy. It's because God's doing a little shaking. Because as he keeps shaking, it's like ketchup bottle. You can open it up. Certain ones, you pour it out. And then it stops. Then you got to shake it. Then you got to hit it. Until you have your overflow. You've been thinking, there's no way I can do this. You're right. There's no way I can make this change. You're right. But you've got the one who's shaking. You've got the one who's going to keep hitting until it works. Your part is to stay in faith until it comes. Because it says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. I have it. I got this. So stop thinking I have to compromise to get ahead when God says it all belongs to me. And when I shake things, it's going to come to you. And then he says the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former. Because you got people there who saw Solomon's temple. It was wonderful. It was amazing. It was great. But they looked at this new temple and says, this is not what we thought it would be. This is not what we were hoping for. This is not what we are believing for. But God said, I got this. And the best is still yet to come. The glory of the latter house is going to be greater than what you saw. You thought Solomon was something. Wait till you see what I got for you. Don't judge your future by your past. Don't think your best days are behind you. Don't think you've seen the greatest things God can do in your life. Because God is saying today, I'm going to shake some things up so what you see in the days to come are greater than whatever you've seen before. You're stepping into days that are on a prophetic timetable where God has a shortened amount of time to get things done before Jesus comes back. So stop saying, well, I don't know how it's going to happen. You know how it's going to happen. It's going to be by the power of God because it's the power of God that makes the difference. It's not because you're so smart. It's not because you know the right people. Yes, God has prepared you for the season, but what qualifies you to receive is that he's with you. 
And if you know he's with you, you begin to celebrate the presence of God. You begin to acknowledge the presence of God. You ask God what to do, and you step up to the impossible situation, and you just look at it because you know it's about to shake. And as soon as God begins to shake, you know that's your cue. It's time to get everything God has for me. It's time to possess my promised land. It's time to get the silver. It's time to get the gold. It's time to get the miracles. It's time to get the signs and wonders. It's time for my entire family to be saved. It's time to change our community because we're willing to step up to the plate and we know God is not going to leave us hanging. That's what faith people do. Not wait around to see what God's going to do. You have to step up to the plate. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he will direct your paths. All your ways acknowledge him. Everything. Look at every area of your life today. What have you thought this would never change or this is just the way it is? What have you taught your kids that's just the way it is? Whatever you began to think on the inside, you may have never said it, but I'm just like this for the rest of my life. Think again. Believe again. Ask God, what do I need to do to step up to the plate? Because I tell you, the divine promise from God is God is going to shake the gates. He's going to shake things up. But you have to be in a position to receive. Remember, we've been saying for weeks, you have to become the person that can receive the prophetic promise of God. It's not just say, oh, God promised it, let me see if it happens. No, become the person that can receive it. Stop being the person, well, it's the end of the year, what that preacher said didn't come to pass. I guess it didn't work. No, it was working. You didn't become the person that could receive it. You have a responsibility to grace. So what do you need to do? That means you have to be faith people. Not just faith people on Sunday. That means you have to believe God all the time. That means when you step up to the plate, you got to praise God. You have to be positive. You have to speak words of faith. Because you're either going to believe what you pray or you're going to believe what you say. So you can pray one thing and talk against it. Make sure your words line up with what you pray. Because you pray one moment, then you talk against it. Now you're confused because your faith's no longer working. Keep your mouth right. Didn't we say that a few weeks ago? If you want to receive from God, you have to step up to the plate. Stop playing it safe. See, it's not playing it safe saying, well, I'm going to set these things aside so I have savings for later on in life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who says, I'm never going to step out and do anything because I'm afraid of getting hurt. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. The key word, I'm afraid. Fear. Then God tell Joshua, do not be afraid. There's many different times Joshua could have lost. There's no reason Joshua should have won. Why should this 80-year-old general do something Moses couldn't do? But God said, I'm with you. Stepped up to Jericho, it fell down. Went to battle, I give you, and the hailstones came. Jonathan went to battle, and God stepped in and began to shake everything up. God wants to shake some things up in your life. But it's not going to be automatic. You have to step up to the plate so you can receive what God has for you. So some of you need to take some time this week 
all of us, but especially a few of you, and pray, God, what do I need to do? Where have I not stepped up to the plate? Where have I backed away from? Where have I stepped away from my faith? We looked at it on Wednesday. I encourage you to listen to that podcast. It's called Lean. And one of the things when it said, it's from Song of Solomon. So who was this coming out of the wilderness? Leaning on their beloved. Some of you are like, where am I going to come out of this situation when you learn how to lean? Lean means to trust and rely. But when you looked at battles in the Old Testament, when it talks about the king or the people of God leaned on God, not only did they win, but the way they described the victory was they won the victory and the enemy could not recover. So many of us get win battles, but we keep fighting the same battle again and again and again and again and again. But when you learn to lean, not only will you win, your enemy can't get back up again. So in this season, you have to learn to lean. You have to be professional leaners. We have to really live up to our name of being faith people. Not just people who believe in faith, but this is who we are. It's not a moment, it's a lifestyle that just live by faith. This is who we are. This is what we do. We don't turn on our faith on Sundays and turn it off when we leave the building. Our faith is always working. We're always in a place of believing God. Not just believing God for stuff for us, but for someone else. Why? Because we believe that God's going to do something in these days. We're not overwhelmed by the media and social media and everything crazy going on. We believe God. We believe that everything he said is going to come to pass. Because when you look at the book of Joshua, there's a scripture that says, and every good promise that God made him came to pass. There was nothing that God promised that did not come to pass for Joshua. That should be your life testimony. Everything God promised you, everything he said about you, said about your family, said about your kids, said about your finances, said about your health, said about your career, said about your life, came to pass. You do have an enemy that's resisting you, but God will step in and shake him up. But your job is to step up to the plate. Stand to your feet. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Praise the Lamb of God. Make sure we got out everything the Holy Ghost wanted to say.
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So trust in me, says God. Rely on me. Put your faith in me. Lean on me. Because when you do, I'll renew your strength. I'll energize you. You'll feel as strong as you did, as energetic as you did, as when you were a kid. Stop saying it's too late for me. I can't do this anymore. Don't discount my power. When you begin to lean on me, you'll begin to feel my power fill you, and you'll begin to feel like me. So when you look at a mountain, when you look at a situation, it won't bother you because you'll begin to think like me. You'll begin to talk like me. And as you talk like me, as you think like me, you'll get my results. You'll see things shake before you. You'll see things fall down flat before you, and you'll get the victory. You'll take the promised land. You'll get the mountains. You'll get what I promised you, and you'll see a difference in your community. You'll see a difference in your nation, and then my son can return, because my church has stepped up to the plate and did what I called it to do, and the glory of God filled the house, and no one could move, because the glory of God came in, and then it went out to the neighborhoods, and it began to transform the community. Not just glory you can see, but glory that you experience. It's not just because they saw a cloud, but because they saw you. And I live in you. And if you stay close to me in this season, if you lean on me in this season, you'll see I'll transform you to the victor I've always called you to be. Stop saying you are a victim. You are a victor because I live on the inside of you. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> but you can't be a sad conqueror. You can't be a mopey warrior. You have to go against your situations with joy. You have to march forth in the joy of the Lord. You have to go forth with a song of Zion on your lips. You have to go forth saying he is good and his mercy endures forever. You have to go forth saying his love never quits. You have to go forth in such faith that you begin to laugh at the mountain. You begin to laugh at the wall because you know your God is greater than the mountain. You know your God is greater than the wall. You know your God is going to cause you to break through and break out on the left and break out on the right to cause you to leap over a wall, to run through a troop. So stop crying, stop whining, stop moping around and begin to laugh and begin to rejoice. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. So we're walking in days of greater glory. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, hallelujah. Might as well laugh about it. Give me a mic real quick. Come here, Minister Campbell. Come here, Minister Campbell. Give me a mic real quick, Dathan. Dathan. 
Let me see that mic real quick. Let me see the mic real quick. Go ahead and lead us in a laugh. You know, you might want to stay on the floor. <laughs> okay. Well, they did say it's the year of the Holy Ghost and fire, didn't they? They did say it's the year of Holy Ghost and fire, didn't they? They did say it's the year of Holy Ghost and fire. Fire! Fire. Jesus. Yeah, there it is. God says you got to laugh. Not just at church, but everything. Laugh at your situation because God's going to turn it your way. You might as well laugh about it. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, time for a drink. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to come to church and drink. Oh, glory. Well, glory to God. <laughs> Joy.
So, y'all, what's going on? You see, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, they began to stumble around. They began to laugh. They began to act like they lost their mind because they got out of their mind and they got in the Holy Ghost. See, I like what Pastor Mark Hankins taught me. God can do more in five minutes of the Holy Ghost moving than you could do in five years. So some of you just need to let him move. Some of y'all need to laugh. Some of y'all need to rejoice. Some of y'all need to dance. <laughs> because you believe the word of God. Because when God moves this way, he strengthens his church. <laughs> Don't make me come out there. <laughs>
convenient to have a chance to give your tithes and offering, you can come forward and do that now. Oh, Minister Dathan, a miracle can happen now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.